Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers. I am Brandon Goldner. And with me, as always, it is Ryan Whitledge. Ryan, what's up, man? Not much, not much. Just sitting here chilling on a Saturday with a cup of coffee. Finally, we're both drinking coffee at the same time. It's usually like I'm drinking coffee and you're drinking a beer or I'm drinking Crystal Light and you're drinking gasoline. Uh, <laughs> gasoline. So I like how we I like how we have matched our drinks. Uh, hey, quick, quick uh, editing note. So I uh, interviewed Brandon Scoopy Robinson. I messed up the date. So I had to do that interview yesterday. Ryan couldn't join. But now here Ryan and I are. And then on top of messing up the date, I also forgot to like when I was introing, I forgot that we were going to talk today. At any rate, there's going to be some tricky editing to splice everything together, but all will be well. Uh, you'll hear, hear that interview with me and Brandon after this. But this Ryan, is just this is just your tricky way to force me to listen to our own podcast. That just, is correct. You, you is schedule correct. interviews in the middle of my workday during yeah. the work week, so I can't be a part of it. And now you get me as one of those downloads and streams to try to you know double our listenership. That's right. And we can talk <laughs> shit about you the entire time. No, uh, Brandon and I talked about Damian Lillard, his time in Portland, uh, whether the Blazers can build around him. We talked about trades for Dame. So anyway, check that out. It's coming out after Ryan and I talk right now. But Ryan... Are, are we out of Brandon's? We did Brandon Sprague last week. Brandon Scoop. We need we need to get like Ryan McDonough on here. I need this. I need this evened out. He's the Odyssey NBA insider, former GM of the Suns. We probably I should get to, him. I, need to get I feel Brandon attacked. Roy. No, I feel attacked. We need more Ryans. That's more fine. Ryans uh, on this podcast. I, I wish I could just keep finding people named Brandon to come on the show in perpetuity. That would be incredible. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, we do have plenty to talk about because we had free agency begin this week. And while the Blazers didn't do a ton, they did some stuff. So let me hand it over to you. What did the Blazers do? I don't know where you want to take this or if you want to go through a timeline or whatever. I'm just going to hand the keys to the car over to you. Blazers, big players in free agency, big players. Okay. Uh, it's not coffee in her coffee cup if you think there's big players. Because <laughs> as as free agency opens up and we all start nervously doom scrolling Twitter, I did not turn on Woj notifications because I knew that Woj and Shams would be tweeting a whole bunch of crap that I maybe necessarily did not care to see. You know, you've got Chris Paul somehow getting four years and $120 million from the Suns. Kudos to him for chasing that bag. But, you know, the first... Only $70 million guaranteed, we found out today, but still a ton of Oh, money. yeah, that's right. I'm, see, still. that's also... The, that's the confusing thing, is now that we're past that moratorium period, now you're getting the retweets of the these deals. deals that were already... And I hate it when they're like, breaking news, so-and-so signs. We're like... That wasn't breaking news. We knew he was coming to this team. They need to like word these tweets as like contract details, not no, breaking news. They want the double engagement. And beyond that, you also have this like the incentives of the contract make the numbers seem bigger than it is, right? So the players' agents are like, we want you to report 40 million, but it's really these like unlikely incentives. It's really only 28 guaranteed, but the 40 million is what people remember and, and do yeah. the clutch points graphics about. But yeah. And that's weird too. They're calling out the agents and the players' agencies a hell of a lot oh, yeah. more in these tweets than before. So yeah. But anyway, so the Blazers, they, they start there's The only thing that we cared about at the start of free agency was Norman Powell. And before free agency kicks off, you got the, uh, the, Instagram or the Instagram 
uh, photo and video of Norman Powell in his hotel room, all dressed up, you know, free agency mode or whatnot. We're like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then, you know, as we're all sitting there patiently waiting, we see the Cody Zeller thing, which we'll loop back on. Um, you, you know, we see Ben McLemore. I, yeah, Cody Zeller was first. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry. I hate coughing on Mike. But, you know, through this, then to Norman Powell, who does not use Twitter a lot, drops the uh, the three eyeball emoji and everyone's like, oh, what does it mean? What does it mean? And then we finally get the details. I did not think that was good news, by the way. Five years, 90 million. Okay, I it drives me nuts because I reference it a lot, but I can't find the link to the exact article. But Alex Kennedy over at Hoops Hype years ago, I want to say back in 2017, 2018, wrote this article about players and their use of social media and interviewed viewed a bunch of them, a lot of them, a couple guys off the record, a couple guys on the record, but talking about like how they enjoy screwing with fan bases and how they like doing those just side eye emojis or shrugs or like brain explode or whatever the cryptic tweets that you see that drive us as people in the fan base nuts. They literally do it. 90% of the time, just to fuck with people like around a trade <laughs> deadline around free agency. I, one of the guys that he interviewed, he was saying, yeah, it was, you know, after the game, we're in the locker room and it's the day before, and it's like um, coming up on midnight before, you know, uh, the trade deadline or before like the flurry before the trade deadline or something. And I just turned to one of my teammates and I was like, dude, watch how, watch how many, uh, uh, watch the engagement I get from this. And all as he does is just tweet. Wow. With the side eyes and it blew up. ESPN took it wondering what the heck was, you know, what did it mean? All this stuff. They do it just to fuck with you. So well, that's, worked. All, so, so, I so mean, that's, it yeah, worked. <laughs> that, I, I do not buy into like, I'll, I'll quote tweet those kind of things and be okay, like, don't, Mr. don't, Adult. don't play with our emotions, but well, I, I'm Ryan Whitledge. I don't want to have fun on Twitter. Mm. Well, it's not that I don't want to have fun on Twitter. I don't want to have an, a, a fucking panic attack when some rich athlete tweets a side eye. I I thought it was I, so. I thought it meant something. He tricked me. If that's what he was doing, he if he was messing with me, that it totally worked. What you're gullible? I am no. extremely gullible. You have no idea how gullible I am. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I thought it meant so. It was that. Plus, it was taking a while, and it was like after these teams that otherwise maybe would have had interest in Norman Powell had been using their money, using their money. And so at the end of it, it was down to like Portland and, and New Orleans, I think, was were kind of the two. Yeah, the, the, the teams that we were looking at with cap space, you know, I think the biggest concern um, – not, and it was reported that most teams expected Norman Powell to, to re-sign with the Blazers. So it's like from from a fandom and a, and a spectator perspective, you know, the biggest concern was that the Knicks had a lot of money to offer up. So as soon as Evan Fournier fell up or was offered the contract by the Knicks, you're like, that's one of the biggest players off the board. Uh, San Antonio had some cap space that they could have thrown at him, but it's not entirely clear necessarily what direction they're going right now. Uh, they seem to be in a bit of not a rebuild, but a retool with some youth movement and then the pelicans are in the position of that they're trying to impress zion and uh if there is one pelicans if there is uh, not poor pelicans because right now if it wasn't for the pelicans absolutely pissing away their chance to improve their roster and and try to keep zion from going to the knicks that we just mentioned uh they make the blazers look better 
ish at least but yeah yeah so, I, so it I took know, forever but- we we all stressed out finally the news comes down norman powell five years 90 million i don't think any of us were expecting such a long-term thing especially with the questions of of damian lillard's future there's no options on the contract and now that the details have been revealed it is a very smart signing you maybe thought that the blazers would kind of front load this contract so that it would be easier to trade if they do have to blow it up rebuild retool whatever that is not the case it is an escalating contract i think it starts off at 15 and a half million dollars uh this coming season and ends at about 21 or 22 somewhere around that range so it's the 20.4 okay but it's still it's the escalating contract so it's a lot more team friendly right now um and then all the rest of the signings that the Blazers have made so far. Like we mentioned, Cody Zeller. Um, well, wait, really, really quick. Really quick. Uh, did okay. you have an opinion about the contract that Norman Powell got compared to the contract Gary Trent Jr. got? Because in my view... It evens out it, $18 million a year. Sure, but like... And uh, Gary Trent Jr.'s is is three years? Four, or is it four years with the team or player option? There's something about it, right? Where it's like... Four uh, years, three years guaranteed. Okay. So here's my question though, like before we go on to the other signings. So when Neil O'Shea made the trade for Norman Powell, I was among those that said, I like this trade. Norman Powell is a better player right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, The only twist to it at the time I said, well, I'm I'm quite sure that O'Shea's worked out with Powell that he would be at least strongly willing to resign in Portland. And it turns out that he did resign in Portland and, and both players got similar contracts. Norman Powell's a little bit older, but he's, he's a better player. So how do you evaluate now the trade that Olshay made Gary Trent jr. For Norman Powell, how does this, the fact that he signed, does it change it for you? Because it definitely did for me. I had the, I had this same belief. I figured Gary would be getting somewhere between 18 and 20 million that he, and that he would be better suited on a team. That's a little more rebuilding because he is younger. Uh, whatnot. He does have a chance to grow and improve his game in a bigger role. Norman Powell is, is, you know, older and entering his prime and has already shown what he can do on literally a championship team. So, you know, it's, I think that Norman or that, that Gary Trent got a very generous contract, all things considered with his age and Norman Powell uh, w- took a very team friendly deal for lack of a better term. Cause I think most people projected him to be making to start next season, 22 million and have it be escalating. So uh, it, it doesn't change it for me. I'm not one of these people who's like, Oh, well, I'd rather have the young guy that can, that can prove it. No, that's not the window that the Blazers are in. You have a proven commodity in Norman Powell and he's always been the first domino that needed needed to be set in place in right. order for any other possible move for the Blazers to make. And my, my point would be because Gary Trent Jr. was a restricted free agent, ostensibly the Blazers could have guaranteed to have kept him had they not traded him. And with Norman Powell, he was unrestricted. This was fully his choice. That asset could have left with no value. The Blazers left sitting with no asset to replace that going out the door. And so the fact that Norman Powell resigned, in my view, makes the trade for Gary Trent Jr. a very good trade. It codifies that the Blazers now have this asset under control through his entire prime. I don't think he's injury prone. I think that he probably fits in as like the third or fourth best player on a really, really good team, or maybe the second best player on an okay to bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Blazers can trade this contract later. Okay. 
So yeah. that being said, please take us through the other signings at the, the, the so the oh, first so exciting. We're so pumped the for first former lottery picks to come home to Portland. <laughs> how many times does O'Shea mentioned that in their press conference? At that least how, twice that he has, you know, how many lottery picks from the 2013 draft counting CJ McCollum? I think that he's just trying to like run up his bingo card and like get everybody who's in the lottery from that draft. It's it's either played for him or played for the Clippers with him before, or you were in that 2013 draft. That's all O'Shea cares about. By the but, way, uh, cause you're going to go to Cody Zeller. I am, I'm mm-hmm. assuming um, do you, he was on uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast talking about, you know, you were drafted pretty high up as a player who, you know, thought that you'd have a pretty big impact in the league and, and basically telling him you've become a role player. How do you feel about that? Right. And so like, I think it's interesting that Cody Zeller goes on that podcast. I don't know if that had anything to do with like trying to like elevate his name in free agency or, or, or whatever, if it was just, they know each other or, or who knows what, but I do think it's interesting that he walks away from this with a, with a minimum contract. I mean, he's not a terrible player when he's healthy, but yeah. Yeah, so that, that just, I just think that's interesting. Yeah. So the, the Cody Zeller, as we're, like I said, we're all nervously awaiting the, the Norman Powell news. And the first, first thing that we see is Cody Zeller. And we're like, wait, what? For me, I was I wasn't as as wait what I was only like in that mode because I'm like all right can we get to Norman Powell that's cool Cody Zeller um, you know he does have a history of being um, injury prone um, I don't know how much I'm gonna necessarily care about that the Blazers for years now have upgraded their health and performance staff and whatnot they've been now they've went from being one of the the worst looked at teams with players having injury and whatnot to one of the better ones in the league um I, I for a minimum deal it's great he's an he's an upgrade ish over Cantor um he can when he's healthy and on the court move laterally already better than Cantor you know he average he played his entire career in Charlotte um Average 8.7 points, six rebounds on 57% shooting. It's a little bit better shooter than Cantor. There's going to be the drop-off in rebounding because that's, I mean, Cantor was literally one of the best rebounders in the league. Um, but you need somebody in that second unit that is not going to be an absolute sieve on defense. And and this addresses that. So I, I'm I'm happy with it. It it fits a need. It fits, uh, you know, it was bring back Cantor for 5 million, probably because I think that's what he got in Boston. Uh, love the fact that he at least called that side note when Cantor left and thanked the city of Portland, he said, I'll probably see you again next season, fully admitting <laughs> that all he is doing is going between Portland, basically Portland, Maine and, uh, or, uh, yeah. like the, you know, or yeah. whatnot, Boston in here. He knows it. No, I think that the Portland, Maine thing's funny. Cause as I fun fact, maybe you did know this, but Portland, when it was Portland, Oregon was founded, the two founders, one of them was from Portland, Maine. The other one is from Boston. And they flipped a coin to name the city. Yep. Winner gets pissed. So we were a coin flip away from reporting the Boston Trailblazers and the Boston Celtics. By the way, here's it. Okay, this is weird. Oh, tangent time. I'm not convinced that the Blazers get a franchise here in this city, whatever it's named, if the name of the city was Boston. Because how, like, would the NBA want to have two franchises with the same first name? Maybe it would be like Oregon, right? Like at that point. But I don't think you're going to have like a Boston Celtics and a Boston Trailblazers. Like, I just don't 
see that happening. So it's, it's possible that coin flip, naming the city Portland, brought the Trailblazers into Portland in 1970. Okay. Probably. Uh, but if you would have went the Oregon route, it also would have been a little more fitting with the game if you called it the Oregon Trailblazers. Totally, totally. Yeah, there there would legit. be there that, would be a right. lot of different uh, emphases on the syllables there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe people would be more willing to separate the words trail and blazers and to try to mash it yeah, into one it, word. Yeah, it'd be so, the Oregon Trailblazers instead of Oregon <laughs> Trailblazers. But anyways, I, okay. So Cody's, actually, I, Oregon Trailblazers, that's a dope name. Okay, Cody okay. Zeller, really quick. Your point about him being injury prone, I, I think it kind of is a problem in a sense. So I'm looking at the uh, salary cap sheet. By the way, if you are a premium subscriber to the Dunked On podcast with Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue, you get access to these massive Excel spreadsheets that runs through the cap hits of every single team, every single player, every hold, every stretched contract, it is so in-depth, and honestly, I mean, besides the premium content that they produce, I've been a big fan of their work for years and years. We've had Nate on the show before. Hopefully, he'll come on at some point this summer. But all this is to say I'm appreciating this Excel spreadsheet because it's reminding me, Ryan, if Cody Zeller gets hurt, who is playing center exactly? Because the Blazers have not made a move on well, Harry Giles. Yeah. Yeah, They've so not well, made a move on Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who is the other person who could maybe play center in a pinch. But like... Are they planning to bring those two guys back? Because then if Cody Zeller is injured, I could see a future in which Nurk and Cody Zeller are injured at the same time. I, I center. I, <laughs> I think like, I think I know their plan, but let's, let's, let's work our way there. You're, okay. you're, you're jumping ahead the dominoes because oh, I'm sorry. Cause they're the, the next <laughs> this move is what happens when we run with no notes. <laughs> I just, anyway, sorry. Hey, okay, in yes. my defense, the no notes, you did hand me the keys and I have notes that no, that's true. And actually I, I, <laughs> Another friend of the show, Dave DeFore, years ago told me, if you can get yourself off of notes and just be at the point where you can talk, it's I, I find that to be more engaging. And I have I used to do these really detailed notes, pages and pages. <laughs> I and saw. <laughs> I've been trying to get better about like just trusting like you and I think about this stuff a lot. You know, our opinions are not always the most well-informed or the best, but like we follow this stuff closely enough to where you can talk about it. So like it's now 50 50 on the notes. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Yes. I got, I go with the bullet points of, of things that I don't want to forget. That's about where I stand. Nothing wrong. But with anyways, that. so the others, the other signings that the Blazers have made have, have all been guards. And this is, I think right now, either Olshay is intentionally punking the fan base by saying, <laughs> Hey, you guys had an issue with the three guard lineup before I'll give you a fucking 10 guard lineup and we'll see how I can roll <laughs> this out here. Well, remember, Dame is not a small guard according to Olshay. Everybody else on the roster is now. I mean, I think freaking, you know, they signed. So they signed Ben McLemore, who's, you know, they it, it's it's always funny to see how people want to spin certain things that. Oh, well, we brought in a sharpshooter. OK, he's a volume shooter. Yes, uh, he kind of I'm not expecting anything more from him than maybe what Kent Bazemore gave us when he was here. You know, um, I think that's a good comp. In fact, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, they drafted, you know, uh, Greg Brown. They signed uh, uh, Trenton Waterford to a two way contract and then they signed Tony Snell. Tony Snell, I'm 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 excited about because he is a legit 
two-way mix between a shooting guard and a small forward because he is not a small guard. He is six, seven, but I do think that there's, it's, it's being a little overhyped on, on him, but right now as the roster stands, here's everybody who's under contract. We have uh, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic. That's your starting lineup coming off the bench. Anthony Simons, Tony Snell, Derek Jones, Jr. Nasir little Cody Zeller. That's probably that there's probably your 10 or your, your 10 man lineup right there. CJ Ellaby, Ben McLemore, Greg Brown. There's still two roster spots that are open. And I am of the belief that for one, if you look at the depth chart, Robert Covington is the only power forward that this team has the only legit power forward. So while the Blazers are loading up on guards, there's still this glaring glaring hole at power forward. And as you talked about with Cody Zeller, if Nurkic goes down and Zeller has to step in, there's no, there's no backup center. But this is where I think things get a little interesting because for one, Paul Millstap is still out there and that's long been rumored. Apparently, you know, Kelly Oubre just got taken off the board by going to the Warriors. Yes. No, not Warriors. Yeah. Who that? No, he's coming from. Oh, no. Who'd he go to? Son of a bitch. Damn it. To the Google machine. Why do you put us in these situations? I don't know. Hornets. That's Hornets. a weird fit, but have fun in it is, Charlotte. But I think they gave him two years, twenty-five million or something like that. It, but either way, it was a it was a contract that the Blazers weren't weren't able to necessarily match. But um, and apparently that was Dame's big pitch that he you know that he wanted. He pers- it's reported that he personally tried to pitch Kelly Oubre on coming and playing with the Blazers. Um, I'll have a quick aside on that here in a bit. But if you look at the Blazers summer league roster. As it stands, there's interesting names on there. And I think you can fill out the rest of the roster with the names and have it be okay. So besides our rookies and and whatnot, you have players like Kenneth Faree, who's obviously now forgiven the Trailblazers for the Nolan Smith debacle. Uh, oh, because if, you, if you liked watching Cantor on defense, you're going to love Kenneth Fareed, especially I'm, in his thirties. I'm aware. I'm aware, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I like his, if you want to talk about people with athleticism and upside, I'm going to go with Kenneth Fareed over, you know, Greg Brown, who sounds super raw, but this is also where it comes in where Cody Zeller being a little bit better on defense and, and, um, you know, looking at some of the other depth chart, if, if he is playing in a second unit with Derek Jones Jr. And Tony Snell is a little bit better of a defensive guard that or uh, it, it's kind of if you start to look at the sum of the parts. But, you know, I could realistically see Kenneth Fareed getting picked up and filling up a spot. Um, I could also, if you look at this, uh, the most terrifying individual I've ever seen the Portland Trailblazers put out a photo of of Michael Beasley getting on this <laughs> roster. I, OK, did you see the team photos that no. they had? Okay, the Trailblazers account posted team photos of their summer league practice down at the practice facility before they headed to Vegas. And Michael Beasley, I think, was talking to Jordan Crawford. And it is terrifying. He is eyes wide, teeth clenched. You can tell he's trying to make a point, but it looks like Michael Beasley is about ready to jump out of his skin and murder whoever he's talking to. And it is terrifying. <laughs> Either way, he's trying to make a name for himself. I could see him realistically making uh, making it on the roster. Uh, an interesting name that's also in there, but I'm not entirely sure it fits, seeing as that we're super guard heavy, is Emmanuel Moutier. But the two names that I'm interested 
that I think have a legit possibility of making the roster from this summer league team. It's Kenneth Reed and, and Michael Beasley, uh, Kenneth Reed. I'd be the most intrigued with, uh, the other thing I'm hoping is that they do make a play on Paul Millsap and use that taxpayer mid-level, which is a Twitter conversation we had earlier. That is true. There is one name missing from this list of potential power forward slash centers that I am surprised has not come up yet, Ryan. Well, and I'm as not a Blazers I, fan. You should be ashamed of yourself for not mentioning. I'm this not, man. I'm not talking about it via trade. We're talking about free agency and signing. You want to get down the trade route? We can get nope. down the trade route. I'm talking about somebody who's currently not on an NBA team. I'm talking about somebody who is six eleven, maybe seven foot. I'm talking about somebody who could play power forward or probably it, at this point in his career center. I'm talking about somebody who has roots in Portland. I'm talking about somebody who needs to come home. I am talking about LaMarcus Aldridge, who said oh, that he how is ex- that drop off my notes. How did that drop off my notes? He is exploring a comeback into the NBA. As we know that uh, LaMarcus Aldridge retired after he had uh, more symptoms of the Wolf Parkinson white syndrome that he has dealt with for a long time. I will say this. When I heard this news, that was the first thing I thought was like, this fills a need. It would be nostalgic. Him and Dame have mended the fence. It would be perfect. Come home, LaMarcus. Come on, man. Just do it. And by the way, like, I get that he's not the best player, but if you're, if you're, if you're talking about somebody who's going to be, you know, competing for minutes with Cody Zeller question mark as the backup center, or I, I think that he's a better player right now, even at his age than Cody Zeller. So like, and Cody Zeller's on a minimum. So who cares if you piss him off? That's what I would like to see. It's nostalgic. It's cool. It'd be a good story. I, come home, Marcus Aldridge. Like I would love to see that happen. So I, I'm it's, waiting for that. It's it's fine. Uh, I, I, it's I, fine. It's well, Marcus Aldridge. I'm I'm come aware. Come on, man. Get pumped. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to get pumped because I don't expect him to do a lot. But here's also the way that I view this. If Blazer fans were perfectly fine watching Carmelo Anthony try to operate in the post and kill clock, we should just be absolutely ecstatic about the fact that LaMarcus Aldridge would do the same thing. And is a little bit better of a defensive player, but a little, a little bit better, even at his age and even how slow he is. He's a much better defensive player than Carmelo Anthony. Come on, much yeah. better. But either way, I'm I'm fully on board. The if if Lamarcus can clear the medical waivers and and uh, a team physical and all that, I'm fully on board with him taking a vet minimum. I love the fact that people are like, why would he take a vet minimum? Well, he took a vet minimum to go play with or quote unquote play with Brooklyn last year, but also at the same point in time, his contract was bought out. He got all his money from the Spurs. He's right. not he's not hurting for cash. There's that buyout option. He got a bulk of it. I think it was like 17 or something like that. 17 or 18 million of it was was guaranteed in the buyout. Um, you, you can take vet minimums for that kind of stuff now. So I, I'm not against it. Other names that are popular out there, you know, people are looking at Lori Markinen. Um, but you know, it's I think he's asking for a little too much money. But that brings me to uh, this Twitter conversation that we had earlier, real quick of understanding how the Blazers want to use their options. I was a little bit confused. I got the taxpayer mid-level and the mid-level exception confused, but there are certain rules and certain things that you do. And especially with the Blazers being such a high taxpayer, such a a high salary team right now um, is that if they right now, they have the biannual exception and the taxpayer mid-level exception to use at their disposal, the taxpayer mid-level. And I think, what do you say? They have about $6.9 million underneath the, the salary tax line. 
uh, underneath the apron. Yep. 6.9 uh, okay. million. Okay. Okay. Right. Which, you can, you can exceed the apron. So like right now, let's say, you know, for some, the Blazers orchestrate a trade in which they send out, you know, 30 million, but take back, you know, 38 million, whatever that, that 30 million plus the 125% is whatever that comes out to, you can exceed the apron in these trades. I mean, just look at Golden State. Golden State has racked up a tax bill of $185 million because they followed the rules and the mechanisms that are allowed. But there are certain things that you do that then instead instead of you being able to pass that that salary tax line, you are literally what they call hard capped and you hit a wall and you cannot pass it. One of those things would be if the Blazers use the the biannual exception, you are hard capped. Your salary cannot exceed $136,606.62 over the course of the season. That is the thank exact, you for the 62 cents. That part is very important. When I researched it, I thought it was I thought it was laughable. Like if you got to 63 cents, that's a no. But 61 cents, 62 cents, that's fine. Apparently, but, you know, Damian Lillard is asking people for their Netflix logins. And so, uh, again, just another chip yeah, in the pile. Yeah, the report by him good. leaving money on the table, probably not true. But yeah, good jo- good job, cuz. Way to, way to have your cousin call <laughs> yeah, you out. Totally, he, yeah. he gets, Dame gets you a job on the a spot on our NBA roster last year, and you're just going to throw that shade at him. But anyways. Who, that, what the Kelvin Blevins? That, is that? Kelvin Blevins, yes. Kelvin. Yeah. But anyway, so if they use the biannual exception, they're hard capped. Uh, when people talk about Laurie Markkinen, uh, Markkinen's probably asking for too much money. If he were to come here, he'd be a sign-in trade. You orchestrate a sign-in trade, you're hard capped. And so what that means is that if you are now pushing up against that, you need to make salaries match exactly. So that may limit a Ben Simmons or a Pascal Siakam trade or whatever ends up happening. Um, using the taxpayer mid-level, I will admit I screwed this up. I thought the taxpayer mid-level triggered a hard cap. It does not. If the Blazers are able to shed, I believe, $2 million in salary, that would open them up to having the full just mid-level exception. That would hard cap them. So there, you have to be creative in this, but they have the taxpayer mid-level exception at their disposal. Two roster spots to use. I would expect that the taxpayer mid-level to be used on a player like Paul Millsap and then maybe fill out the last roster spot with somebody like LaMarcus or a mm-hmm. Kenneth Fareed. I actually, I have to say of all the names that we ticked through, I I think that I like LaMarcus Aldridge more than all of them. The second would be Paul Millsap. I think Paul Millsap looked like he was done, done in a way that LaMarcus didn't, frankly. Like, I I think that like, and I know people age differently and sometimes, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I, I don't think Paul, Paul Millsap looked great at all last year. And I thought LaMarcus Aldridge looked okay for for the nets yeah. which i think is better so there, there well there there also is like Millsap has been in denver for a while and and you don't know if maybe that is age because i think he's he's what he's 36 or whatever yeah. yep. there there is something to you know that that could be a little bit of age that could also be you know maybe there is something to a change of scenery like we've yeah. seen it before especially with older players or whatnot and and you know even take carmelo anthony as an example or anyone the lakers are signing because they're just going for the geriatric squad or the what i call the the <laughs> 2014 all-star squad but uh but you know maybe he gets a change of scenery here's the stuff of always too old always too washed up and and, you know he has one last little prove it year and i'd be fine with him having it here i don't expect it but it'd be nice so with all of these moves you have bringing back norm powell do you have taking in cody zeller cody zeller ben mclemore tony snell uh we're saying goodbye to carmelo anthony and oh and zach collins and we're saying goodbye to Zach Collins. Congratulations on him getting money from the Spurs. Real quick. Okay. If if any other team in the league had signed Zach Collins to that contract, 
we would laugh. The Spurs, yeah, but- the Spurs offer that, and we go, shit, what the hell are we missing? Because it's the Spurs. They're known as such a well-run organization, and they don't take a lot of whiffs. So when you see Zach Collins getting $22 million or whatnot from them, I'm not going to lie. There's a little thing in the back of my head going, what the hell are we missing here? A, how much of that is guaranteed? And B, I, I think that we know Zach Collins, the player, as he showed so far, he would become a functional NBA player, maybe even a good NBA player. We don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Seven footers with repeated stress injuries in their feet. Not a great combination, not a great track record. Like that's the thing is like, you know, if, if you were to guarantee he'd be healthy, Zach Collins, his option would have been picked up. He'd be in Portland right now. That's the thing is that the Blazers clearly thought he's, Done, I think, right? And I think what the Spurs did was reasonable. I'm guessing of the 20 million, probably seven of that is guaranteed, is my guess. And hey, if he comes back and he stays healthy, I think that he's a very, very functional NBA player. He's still pretty young. It's just it's about the health, right? So um, but with with all that being said, hello, Cody Zeller, Ben McMore, Tony Snell, welcome back, Norman Powell. Goodbye, Carmelo Anthony, Ennis Cantor, Zach Collins. As of right now. Nothing has changed as of right now. The comments you're talking that, about, we got the all, comments the guards, that, all the guards. The, <laughs> let me start my monologue again because maybe I'll clip this out and put it on YouTube. But as of right now, nothing has changed. And like what I mean by that is that Damian Lillard said explicitly he'd like to see the roster improved. And all of the available reporting that we have as of now, and I, I write, I think it's just from Chris Haynes and Jason Quick, and maybe there's somebody else who does original reporting that I missed it, have suggested the Blazers will not be making a trade anytime soon. Okay. And then we also have some reporting saying that Dame is willing to give this roster as it stands now with a new coach to give it a chance. Ryan, that doesn't make me optimistic. The history has shown that Neil Olshay is reticent at best to trade CJ McCollum. I don't have any confidence that he's going to trade him at the trade deadline. This to me really stinks of ownership and Neil Olshay not caring whether or not Damian Lillard stays or goes. That's how I take it. So do you have a different, like, are you, are you like, Oh, wait and see, because I, I feel like the wait and see stuff. I just, I don't know, man, that's not, that is not how this is hitting me. This is, this feels like bad news. It, it ties into my belief that if Dame was involved a lot more, he's putting a lot of pressure on the franchise. I guarantee you that he is maybe a lot more involved and things are being run by him, run through him, maybe a little more than they have in previous years. Not saying that he has the ultimate say on who stays or who goes, but he may be involved a lot more in, hey, here's our plans. Here's our attack list. You know, here's guys we're going after. Who's, here's who we're making plays. Here's here's what our, our vision is. And, and Dame being informed a little more than he may have been in previous years and then to see all these guys take minimum contracts you know it it was reported that like numerous people that went to or numerous players that went to teams like the lakers or the warriors or whatnot turned down more money to play on those teams for a vet minimum and and so and you know Maybe any some of those guys were on the on the Blazers list and got the and, you know, the Blazers were teams or one of the teams that offered more money to these guys that they turned the contract down to go join the Warriors or go join the Lakers. And maybe Dame seeing a little more of the inside of like, hey, well, I 
why would that guy? Okay. Well, we're seeing all these guys go just take cheap deals to chase a ring. Maybe this, you know, if we're losing out on these good players that way, I don't know. I'm just saying maybe there's to do with the trade though. It doesn't, we'll get to the trade thing here. Um, but maybe that does buy a little more time and buy a little more good graces. If he's been more informed of this and not seen this off season go, that's, that's my wishful thinking. Now, in terms of the trade, I, are your lips getting sore from kissing Neil Olshay's ass? I will. I'm not a Neil Olshay stand. <laughs> you should know this about me. I'm, know, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from optimistic <laughs> blazer fan here, but as far as the trades go, I want to say I'm shocked. I want to say I'm surprised that the Blazers are not going to attempt to pull off a a trade or whatnot before the season starts. But at the same point in time, I'm not shocked because CJ McCollum is Neil's guy. And Neil has spent years trying to sell that the backcourt of Dame and CJ is a good enough backcourt and one of the best in the league and can win a championship. And there's one thing that Neil O'Shea hates to do, and that's admit that he's wrong. In fact, if anybody can show me a Neil O'Shea soundbite or article or quote or whatever, where Neil O'Shea admits defeat and admits he fucked up. I'll mail you $5 myself, but uh, (laughs) I got to get working on my deep fakes. (laughs) Collect on that $5, but, but yeah, so I'm, I'm both shocked and I'm not shocked. Now the other thing, you know, Jake Fisher, a bleacher report put out this piece the other days and it was very vague in kind of its reporting saying that, you know, that their Toronto and, and Portland had been in discussions in a CJ McCollum and Pascal Siakam swap and, and the Blazers said no. That doesn't paint everything in a good light. He did a follow-up interview on 1080 The Fan with Dirt and Sprague um, the other day. And I will say he didn't have the most convincing justification or speech for his article. A lot of it was, this is what I'm hearing, but I'm not reporting kind of thing. It was very much a sit-on-the-fence kind of interview. It was, it was very strange to listen huh. to for a lot of his takes. But I reach out. I sh- I, you know, I, I've talked to a couple people about like what they knew about that. And the, the impression and the feeling that I get, um, and again, this is just loose, loose understandings with based off things I've heard from various people is that there, it wasn't necessarily a, a straight CJ for Siakam, that this was more of a three team deal. And it involved, um, you know, Toronto, Portland, and Philly and where the deal fell apart was on Philly's end. And as we know, Daryl Morey is asking for a King's ransom. I think that the three most likely teams to make a big move, to make a big trade move are the Toronto Raptors, the Portland Trailblazers and the Philadelphia 76ers all for obvious reasons. But right now they're in a Mexican standoff and it's going to clash of warriors in there too. This is true, but the warriors will only be in like the warriors have no interest. Like for it, there's talks of Draymond green or whatnot, but there is no world that exists in the multiverse in which a CJ McCollum for Draymond green trade will happen because the warriors have zero need for CJ McCollum. So anybody who's hoping and wishing for that ship to come, come to port, it will not, but you can get, you can get the warriors involved in a multi-team. I mean, we just saw, we just saw that, you know, when they, they finalized the deal that ended up sending Westbrook to the Lakers, that was what a five team deal that took a freaking master's degree to understand how it all operated. Right. So, you know, you can put a framework together, but I, I think that, yes, okay, include the Warriors in there. Those are the four, four most likely teams to, to make a major trade. It's just right now there's a Mexican standoff and maybe the closer you get to the start of the season, the more that these high-end offers get rebuffed, the more realistic 
that these trades are likely to happen. But the one I, thing, I, the one thing also with Philly is that Philly ultimately has their eyes on Damian Lillard. And the, you'll hear more of this coming up in, in your interview with, uh, with scoop B. I think you guys talked about that, we did, um, yep. but you know, what incentive does Daryl Morey have to trade Ben Simmons, his number one trade chip, if he can hold on to him and, tough it out as irreparable as the relationship is with Ben Simmons, ghosting the team, ghosting Embiid, saying he wants to be a socialite for a California team. Fuck you. You entitled 24 year old, by the way, if you're going to be a diva like that, but you know <laughs> what, what incentive does he have to trade Ben Simmons now, if you can hold on to him and possibly use that to land Damian Lillard later. So there is a little bit of gamesmanship, but I, I do believe that these four teams will be involved in some sort of trade before the start of the season. Hopefully. That's that is fair. And I will say again, like I will, you know, now my lips are going to get sore kissing Neil Olshay's ass. I, I, I agree with you. And to reiterate your point, if you're taking the most optimistic view of what's happening right now, it's that the Blazers are trying to regain the leverage that they lost when Damian Lillard all but said, I would like to see a big trade. I think part of what you said earlier also connects in my brain. It's like if maybe Newell Shea is peeling back the curtain more for Dame to say, Hey, look, understand, like I hear you and nothing's happened yet. I'm trying Jennifer. And and now I'm super serious about it. I promise, but you cannot say anything about it publicly because it ruins the leverage I may have to make a trade. So the most optimistic view is that you're right, that the blazers, they understand They're working on it. They're trying to regain their leverage. And the reality is we are not, I mean, here, here's the awful thing. Let's say a trade doesn't end up happening. We, you and I, I will never know if Olshay tried his very, very best to make that trade happen. He put every piece he could in the pot. He was moving heaven and earth. And the other team just said, no, people like me are just going to say Olshay failed at his job. And Mm -hmm. ultimately the true test of the GM is, are you able to make stuff happen? So on the one hand, that's kind of fair. On the other hand, I do want to check myself. We don't know what conversations are happening. We're never going to know what conversations are happening. We're operating in a vacuum, but that vacuum is being filled by assumptions that we make based Mm -hmm. on what, based on the available reporting, based on history. And so Based on the available reporting and based on history, I'm not optimistic that something's going to happen. Whether or not that's fully Neil Olshay's fault, I will concede. I'm never going to know. I, me being me, I'm probably going to blame him for it. And maybe he did. He maybe he deserves that blame. So there's my absolute, like my most level-headed take possible. And now I will get back to hot yeah. takes only. So, and and one of the things too that most kind of reinforces my point of that you know the dame's been let a little more behind the curtain or whatever uh it's this quote it's a little bit lengthy i'll I'll read it anyways but it came from his one of his press conferences before team usa and we'll we'll end after this by the way we'll end by talking a little bit about dame's gold uh that he just got but here's his quote he goes obviously this go around we weren't able to go out there and get some of the guys that we would have liked you know you go down the list and you go through the guys that you like that are out there and haven't committed to another team or that was part of your plans in free agency and you get the ones that you just want to be a part of what you're doing. And I think that's what we did and what we were able to do. So again, that strikes me as a quote. It's not as we need to do better as more of a, okay, I knew the plans. I knew what we wanted to do. And literally none of it came to fruition through no fault of our own. That's the closest I will get to kissing Neil O'Shea's ass, but that's how I interpret Damian Lillard's comment right there. That, that is fair. I, I want to drop a couple quick bites. Uh, one is 
that I just want to note that I, I know this is a hard pivot, but like just a couple of quick things that just floating my brain. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic has been very active on Instagram lately. And I think he's being very intentional about wearing Blazers gear in every single one of his pictures. No matter what he's doing, he's on a boat, he's on the water, he's hanging out with friends, he's playing basketball, he's working out, he's wearing Blazers stuff. I think Yusuf Nurkic is playing his part. Good for him. I, I also I, I also think he's uh, that's his way of being on an apology tour of please don't trade me. Exactly. Exactly. That's his way of saying I shouldn't have said what I said at that press conference. Then the, the other little bit I wanted to share, and I lost the tweet. I had it right here, but uh, I believe it was Mark Stein that said, yes, uh, uh, that Mark Stein reports that uh, CJ McCollum has been mentioned as a potential future successor to Chris Paul as the president of the NBA Players Association because Paul's second four-year term is up this year. Any opinions or thoughts about CJ McCollum becoming the president of the NBPA? Uh, nothing. He's hasn't he been kind of in their a bit of their leadership committee or yes. community for a couple of years now. So yeah, has, and, yeah. and CJ McCollum is a, is a very smart and very uh, uh, very intelligent individual off the court and very well put together. Um, you know, it, it's kind of weird because he seems so quiet and so well mannered but he's known as one of the worst trash talkers in the league. Kind of a snarky dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but no, I mean, that's great. And I hate it too when people try to equate like, oh, well, that's going to take away from basketball or that's going to do this or that's going to do that. Oh, F you. It hasn't dampered Chris Paul. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a ring, but he's still considered one of the, I mean, his nickname is Point God. And thankfully, CJ McCollum is under contract for a while because it maybe he leverages that position to get an even bigger contract, but we're not going to have to worry about that for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Summer League. Ryan, you're going, right? Like, you're going to be there in Vegas. Yes, yes. I fly out uh, next Thursday, and I will be there for the uh, for the tail end event and the championship tournament. And currently, the Blazers are eight to one favorites. To uh, I mean, seeing as it's it's funny, of course they're eight to one favorites. I think the average age of their summer league roster is like eight years over yeah. what everybody else's is. But no, this will be my second time down at uh, down at summer league. Uh, for one, it's a heck of a lot easier now, seeing as that uh, Brandon the Hair Kennedy um, actually lives down in. In Vegas and it is 15 minutes off the strip. So uh, it's a lot easier to just hop a plane and go stay down at a buddy's house. Uh, but the, the three of us, nice. we have, we have turned this into an annual guys trip of uh, going down and, and hanging out down there. And it's a, I, I recommend it. It's a fun experience. Um, you know, I got into some shenanigans that I've mentioned before the last time I was down there, but it is extremely interesting to walk around, you know, Thomas and Mack center and go from like this practice court gym here, where to get to your seats, you're walking on a Court and kind of stepping around journalists and, and players and whatnot. Uh, you're sitting up in the stands and there's players, there's rookies from the teams that just finished playing that are up there icing their knees that you can just chat with. Um, almost anybody who's anybody from the media you can find and hobnob with and uh, and and get get some like inside stories and inside scoops. It's it's a great experience besides just watching the basketball itself and watching young players. So I I'm super excited. And like I said, this is, this is a yearly thing. And uh, I'm, I may have to try to drag you down there next year. I mean, Brandon, Brandon's house down there. It's, it's uh, you know, the real estate was kind of cheap when he bought it down in Vegas. So uh, he's got he has his- an entire recording studio. Okay, tech, that thing is the size of a closet, but yes, he does have a recording studio. I believe it is a seven-bedroom, four-bathroom house. Uh, <laughs> what? 
there is a th- th- there is a full in-ground pool surrounded by rock and water features with a water with a rock built water slide and a uh, there are elephants on site that Jody Allen can shoot. Uh, that's that's going in next summer. Um, the, the animal <laughs> exhibit uh, and well, there is the full outdoor wraparound covered patio with the built-in grill. But still, there is room for you there if I can drag you there. That actually sounds like a blast. I. Uh, it's going to be good to hear you and the boys from the Blazer Tag podcast doing some reporting, and maybe we'll sneak some stuff onto our feed. Anything else before we bounce? We have to give congratulations to Damian Lillard finally getting the hardware. You know, he. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, good job. Gold, gold medal. Gold medal game. Uh, did Did you watch? I'm, I'm guessing you watched the game last night. Did you catch did. anything of the quarterfinals or the semifinals? I finally outsmarted the Peacock app. I and paid for it. I, my, yeah, I, I didn't, I did not. I thought, I thought that's how I had to go because I have YouTube TV, but I couldn't find the games live in any of their listings, which is weird because I get early access to things that are on Peacock for other channels, just through my YouTube TV. Finally, I got onto the NBC Olympics website and it allowed me to link my YouTube TV to their thing. So I was able to watch all the games from the computer. It was a little bit of a pain in the ass to have games tip off at 940, 10 o'clock at night, watch them in their entirety, and then wake up at three o'clock in the morning. But I'm also used to that. So whatever. Because we also know even the uh, USA is blowing out Iran by 50. You're sticking into the last second of that game. No, because you know, if, if you weren't, you'd be a hypocrite. How much you went off on that last podcast. Um, okay. Intent. Here's the difference. Intentionally <laughs> turning off the game to fall asleep versus falling asleep during the game Fine. different things but right, but so yeah con- so congrats congrats to dame uh yes. it was i i will say we have differing opinions on his ab injury that came out because it came out after he played poorly and had been benched two games in the fourth quarter i almost tweeted it during the game he didn't look right he didn't uh, look right you're whatever dame, he got you're a dame apologist but he he, of course he, I am. <laughs> he showed up last night even you know kevin durant was the leader of that team and kevin durant in his post game even said you know dame dame brought some dame time to the fourth quarter you know helped us you know and he caught on i think he dropped dame dropped 11 points in the fourth quarter alone really helped team usa pull away uh but damian lillard gold medal olympian uh only two trailblazers in history i believe that three Three, Steve Smith. That's right. Yep. So we have so we have uh, Clyde Drexler, Steve Smith, Damian Lillard. There you go. As 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 medal winning Olympians, and seeing as that this will probably be Dame's only Olympics, uh, just based off his age. Possibly, you know, he could be a veteran leadership next time around, but uh, really, I think glad. he's going to be pretty effective at 34 still, like which is yeah. how old he'd be next time. But uh, at 35, so, 35, 34, because it's three 35. years from now. Oh yeah, that's right. I keep yep. screwing up. I forget COVID. these are the 2020 Olympics. We we lost a year. <laughs> it's gone. Uh, yeah, I, I, my hope is I don't want to spend too much time on this, but congrats to him. My hope is that him winning it, does this satiate some feeling of wanting to like what does it feel like to be at the top of the top. You know, and then maybe yeah, being in Portland isn't so bad after. Like I don't know. Like I my, my I think that. I think it's slightly good for Dame's chances to stick in Portland that he won this gold medal. That is how I'll phrase it. Slightly good. Okay. I'm, ki- I'm kind of disappointed that Dame did the cliche thing of biting his medals. They need to stop biting. The, the, they the, were the directed. They, yeah, like the, I think the Olympic f- committee said, please stop doing this. Yes, because it's the medals are actually real gold. 
and real Plated. gold is well it's still to to a degree but yeah. gold is softer than human teeth you can yes. put bite marks in it it ruins it photographers think it's cute and cool so they ask them to do it but they need to knock it off it drives me insane but see that's how they know it's i feel like i feel like my mold mom- is it you can yeah Anyway. I, I feel I feel like a parent yelling at my kids. So please knock it off. I'm going to hit you with a stick. But anyways, all right, we'll wrap it up here. Brandon, you have your interview coming up with Scoop B, which we will kick to now. Until next time, uh, I will uh, report back from how Summer League was. Okay, see you soon. See ya. Here we have yet another Brandon for the second week in a row. Last week we had Brandon Sprague of 1080 The Fan. This week we have Brandon Robinson. You might know him as Scoop Bees on the Bally Sports Network. Also hosts the Scoop B podcast. And you can also find him with Lisa Ann on Instagram every Thursday at 5 Eastern. It's another Brandon. Brandon, what's up, man? How you doing? What up, Chief? It's been a while, man. I, I, I think it's been like a year or so. We've been trying to make it happen. Glad to be here with a fellow Brandon. Yeah, no, for sure. You were on, let's see, I think you were on when I was still with the Trailcasters with me and Keith. So yes. that, was like, that was a couple of years back, but no, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you are, let's let's just dive right in. I want to respect your time, maybe, you know, 25 minutes, something like that. But let's, <laughs> let's talk about the Blazers, first of all, because I have to say, I was talking a little bit before um, we started recording. I think it's always helpful to get an outside perspective. I think it's helpful to talk about NBA teams. Yes, with the people who follow them. Yes, to the local reporters. That's all good. But I think if you don't talk to people who are plugged in to the NBA and who are following kind of the whole ecosystem of the league, I think that you're missing something. So let me start here. Uh, For the last couple months, Damian Lillard has made clear that he wants to see some improvements to this Blazers roster, which seems totally reasonable, right? I mean, you had reporting from Chris Haynes several months ago with rumbles about how he wanted to see the roster upgraded. Those rumbles have gotten stronger. Dame has now said it himself explicitly. Uh, And then you even had today, I forgot that this just happened, but he was talking at Team USA. Someone asked him about free agency. Um, and he didn't seem super excited about what's happened so far. So let me get your opinion. Like, what is your take on the Blazers situation and specifically with trying to make Dame happy? Like, from your perspective, how have you been seeing this all play out from your end? Well, firstly, when I look at Damon and Lillard, I, I look at him as a top 10 player in the league right now. Um, and so when you have that, that cachet, it's pretty um, – well-known or pretty much just a foregone conclusion that you have supplemental help on your roster. Um, LeBron James has that in in Los Angeles. Um, Kawhi has that in Los Angeles. Um, Steph Curry has that with the Warriors. In Philadelphia, albeit what it may currently, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have each other. With that being said, if you're a top 10 player, you should have assets and help. That being said, I feel bad for Damian Lillard because I, I, I look at him and there's a duality to that, right? So when I look at a point guard who has scoring capabilities, a lead guard, if you will, in today's NBA, um, who can do a lot, that begins to put wear and tear on your body as you get older, if you don't have that assistance and I'll use two names as an example. Um, one, Allen Iverson in Philadelphia. Mm. Two. Mm, 
kind of reminds me of a loyalty situation like Kevin Garnett had to Minnesota CKG, when, yeah. when he ultimately uh, asked to be traded and he went to the Boston Celtics and that very next season, he won a championship. And so when I look at the situation with Damian Lillard, I think one of the things that's kind of um, disappointing is one, with all due respect to the city of Portland, um, I don't think people are breaking their neck to go to Portland to play. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and that's unfortunate because um, I've done business in Portland. I've never been to Portland, but you got to have more to offer than just Nike or Adidas. Um, and, you know, that's Regency that, 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 you know, it's not New York. It's not LA. I have no problem with Portland. Um, but I think Damian Lillard is in kind of in a situation where you're so loyal, like KG was to Minnesota, your good years are gone um, or going or dwindling. And at the same time, he's kind of in a similar situation that LeBron James was in in his first stint in Cleveland, like his second stint in Cleveland, he made Cleveland cool after he won a championship in Miami. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I think Damian Lillard loyalty aside at this point has to do what's best for Damian Lillard. Um, And from all intents and purposes, um, New York, Boston and Philadelphia, in my mind, uh, piecing together what I've seen, what I've heard and what make logical sense are the best destinations. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to disagree, particularly about the, the point about Portland. I mean, you're right. Like, this is not a city where a lot of NBA players are like, oh, like, yeah, I definitely want to live in Portland because why? Right. Like, um, but let me ask you this. You said that Damian Lillard is a top 10 player. I agree with that. Uh, in your view, do you think you can build a championship level team around Damian Lillard? Do you think that that's possible? Like if you had your choice of players who may be available by trade, even if you kind of like take unreasonable routes to get there, like, can you build a title contending team with Damian Lillard as your best player in your view? Portland? Anywhere. Yes. Okay. So I think that's important though. Cause like, there are some people who say, hey, I think that he's a really good player, but you actually can't build a title team around him. So if you take that as fact, which I also do, I agree with, that. I think that you can, then let's let's look at Portland first and let's talk about those other teams. So the one in Philly is particularly um, appealing, or if I were Damian Lillard, just think about my teammates, but in Portland, uh, don't have a ton of assets, right? You have your you have your picks moving forward, first round picks. Okay, fine. Uh, don't have a lot of tradable contracts that are super attractive. I mean, CJ McCollum, he's a great player, great player, not an all star. He's making near max money, you know, thirty plus million a year for many many years. Um, in your view, is there a potential trade out there where the Blazers could package a CJ McCollum, uh, Anthony Simons? draft picks and get something back that would lift Portland into contention. Is that, is that possible as of right now, in your opinion? I mean, if you look at the, the Toronto Raptors, if they're looking to move Pascal Siakam, you could potentially yep. make a move in that regard. Does that bring you a championship? I'm not sure. Um, when I look at, uh, and I still think if you bring someone like Pascal Siakam of his ilk there, that still is not going to produce a championship because you're competing with the Lakers. You're competing with the Clippers. You're competing with the Nuggets. Heck, the Warriors healthy. You may be competing with them too. And so, yeah, I I think you can, you can pack it CJ McCollum, but that's still, that's, I don't, I think at this point, Lillard is looking for a championship. I don't see him looking for just playing competitively. 
And I think when you sit in Tokyo and you're around, like, look, even when you're you're sitting in Tokyo and you're sitting with Draymond, multiple mm-hmm. champion, right? Your your teammates with Zach Levine, the Bulls got Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan. Um, you're playing with your you're teaming up with KD. KD's got Kyrie and James Harden. Um it it I don't think that what you just asked me still produces a championship at 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 roster face value. So then if that's and I think that that's completely fair. So then let's look at it this way then and we'll get into some other teams in this conversation I think but like if you're the Portland Trailblazers, I think if you're a fan like me, like I look, I'm a Portland Trailblazers fan. I don't pretend to be unbiased about that. Right. I mean, my, the pod, the fucking podcast called, we like the Blazers, right? It's like, okay, can't escape that. Right. Um, but as a fan, I think a lot of fans feel this. We don't want to trade Damian Lillard. He's the best player the Blazers maybe have ever had in the history of the franchise ever. He seems to actually like it in Portland. He lives in Portland. He works in Portland. He volunteers in Portland. He talks up Portland more than our own general manager ever has in his nine-year tenure here. A GM, by the way, seems to hate Portland, and that's fine. Go back to LA. I don't give a shit. But so we don't want to trade Dame, but in your view, is the better option for the Blazers to trade Dame right now. He's 31. Okay. His value is probably never going to be higher than it is now. He's under contract for years. He just had the best season arguably of his career. Doesn't seem to have any injury concerns as of right now. If you're the Portland trailblazers is the best move. If you don't, if you don't think you can bring a championship team to Portland and keep them happy is the best move to move him now while his value is this high. Maybe. I, I think when you look at Lillard, um, not to kind of duck your question, but to add value to your question with my statement, I think Lillard is in a situation similarly to what Russell Westbrook was in in Oklahoma City. Um, and it's one thing to see it on TV. It's another thing to see it in person. Um, I was with Russ the day he got traded. Um, he was at a comedy show in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, one of his best friends uh, was uh, was there. Uh, hosting a comedy show and I landed when the trade was announced um, and I got there. I had an interview scheduled with him um, and I say all of that to say even being in Tulsa and not being Oklahoma City is about a half hour, 45 driving distance between those two cities. Mm-hmm. Even in Tulsa, um, did the love and respect like people in that comedy show were showing love. He got on the stage. They gave him a standing ovation um, because he was one of the last um, thunder on that team, move, making the trek from Seattle there, you know, like him or rather he and uh, KD were drafted by the Sonics, went over to Oklahoma and then Harden was drafted by the Thunder. And, you know, a couple million dollars here and there, he ended up going to the Rockets. That being said, when I look at Damian Lillard, I see a similar comparison in Portland and what he means to the city in a way that maybe didn't even translate with someone like Allen Iverson, who was the heart and soul of Philly. And I think part of it is because Philly is a Northeast city, a top four, top five market. Um, the smaller markets have a certain level of love and respect for their stars that just translates different um, in my mind from um, larger markets. And so I think the fandom, the, the fact that he's beloved, it's hard to let that person go. Um, you made mention of the fact that Lillard was the best blazer ever. I'll add, um, he is the best blazer 
ever since Clyde Drexler and the love that y'all still have for Clyde Drexler to this day. Um, you would think he just retired yesterday. And so when you have a star and you have a star who embraces that city and he loves he or she loves the city, you, you want to hold on to it as long as you can. I mean, even somebody like Kevin Duckworth, God rest his soul, is still, you know, loved to this day. And I just think that's that's credit to you guys, the city and your franchise. So I think, yes, if you're going to trade him, this is probably the best time to do it. Um and I hope this is not a solo clip because there's so much context that goes to that, because I just think that he means so much to the city and he's never given you his behind to kiss. He's always been respectful. He's always done right. The only other city that he makes mention to, um, aside from Portland, is his hometown of Oakland. Yeah. So if you're in a situation where you're so beloved and you give you give love, um, you try to, you know, find a way to get him there. But then by, by the same token, that's going to even be difficult because the the Warriors are trying to retool and James Wiseman and, you know, uh, Clay Thompson and others um, are part of the heart and soul of that Warriors dynasty. So then you start to look even further. The 76ers have an issue with 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 Ben Simmons. Um, they want an all star in return. They want picks in return. The Warriors can facilitate such a move. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everything you just said is uh, uh, facts. I, it's one more thing before we get into some like specifics about if the Blazers were going to trade Dame where he could go. Um, let me ask you this. As someone who covers the league, you know, again, I go back to this, like people who didn't like Terry Stotts as the coach. He wasn't the best coach. He also wasn't the worst coach. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there are some folks here in Portland, I think, are like, well, we see what Stotts does. We're in a better position to evaluate him. And he was really, really bad. An NBA analyst just didn't understand how bad he was. And I, I don't buy that. I think that to evaluate a coach or GM, you have to be able to see the whole league. Okay. And so I want to ask you about Neil Olshay. He's been here nine years. He's been here the entire time Damian Lillard's been here his name was on the door when dame was drafted but a a whole other story about the work for damian lillard being drafted was done before neil olshay got here but leaving that aside olshay's been here the whole time do you think that neil olshay has put damian lillard in a position to win do you think that he's done a good job a good enough job building around dame in his nine years in portland i think neil olshay has done a good job um I mean, he brought Damian Lillard in. Uh, I think that uh, I think that from just speaking to others, it's kind of blasphemous to speak negatively on him. But I, I think you have the right to give constructive criticism. You also have the right to ask ask for more. Um, and so, if you didn't win a championship, I mean, you have the right to criticize. And I think this kind of is in line with kind of Carmelo Anthony's plight. Always been an all NBA player, always been congenial with reporters, always you know well liked by younger folks, people that are his contemporaries. But the one thing that was missing was a was a championship in his display case. Um, I feel like um, comparatively, um, the Lakers and the Spurs in the West were always his Achilles heel, talking about Melo. I think Lillard is in a similar situation um, where 
you expect of a top 10 player that he wins a championship. I think prior to Anthony Davis going to the Lakers, he was a top 20, 25 player going to Los Angeles made him a top 10 player, both by uh, optics and by winning a championship. And I have that same expectation for Lillard. I think Olshay being there for nine years, not producing a championship in a competitive West for obvious similar reasons is it was just better teams out there gives you the right to criticize. I don't know him. I've never met him, but at the same time, I do think that um, they haven't won a championship. So we start there. You have a top 10 player. He seems unhappy. You find a way to keep him there to win a championship, but there are just certain teams in my mind that just don't win championships. Every, all 30 teams are, as the team is not going to win championships. And I'll add this. Um, you know, when I was watching the Phoenix Suns against the, the, the Phoenix Suns in the finals against the Bucks, I said to myself, damn, certain people just aren't supposed to win championships. When you, when you like, and I feel like they had two opportunities to do so 93 and now, and this was their best chance. Michael Jordan's Bulls were going to just kick the, the Suns is behind no matter what. Um, and Portland was in a similar situation in the finals in 92. I don't want to speak bad on your team, but there's just certain teams that just don't win championships. And then certain teams oh. like, <laughs> they're like, oh, wow, the Heat won, you know, like, but yeah. they're electric. Um the Cavs won, but they had LeBron and LeBron had to come back. And if it wasn't for LeBron leaving and really it was a sign and trade, they would have never got Kyrie or Tristan Thompson. Yep. I don't want to speak negatively on Portland, but there's everybody's not going to win a championship. That's true. No, I, and you're not at all. And like, look, the best chance the Blazers have had in my lifetime, because I, I kind of agree with you about in the early 90s. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure they were destined to win either of those times. Uh, I think it was in 2000. I think it's when they blew 15 point lead game seven against the Lakers. That was it right there. They had a squad. They had a, oh, damn. Yeah. It was, that was such a good team. It was so much fun to watch Scottie Pippen, Steve Smith, and like. She Wallace, yeah, Damon Stoudemire, Bonzi Wells. Bonzi Wells. Yeah. It was, man. So uh, before, <laughs> before I make myself sad thinking about that, uh, one thing you said about Anthony Davis caught my ear, which is, you know, he became a top 10 player partially by nature of playing with LeBron James. I would love to see what Damian Lillard would do with that kind of talent for his teammate, right? Like he's the, the last time Damian Lillard's had an all-star teammate was LaMarcus Aldridge, right? Before he left in 2015 and LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, borderline all-star, you know, even though he made it six, seven, eight times, he really good player. No doubt about that. Um, I would love to see Damian Lillard with, with a teammate who is as good or better than him and to see what he'd look like in a system like that, which brings us to possible trade destinations, which I, I, I don't like talking about this, but I think it's important. So you mentioned a couple teams earlier where you think that Damian Lillard might be a good fit that you think that a team might want to see him. And the first one that does come to my mind is the Philadelphia 76ers. So what would a team with Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid, what would that look like? And like, what would the Sixers or really any team have to offer in order to get a Damian Lillard, who again, he's under contract for a thousand years, right? 
Um, his extension hasn't even begun yet. Uh, what would what would the Sixers have to give up, and what would their team look like if they were to make that move? You'd have to facilitate it, uh, probably three teams. It would have to be a three-team trade um, where essentially you'd have to include or could include. I won't say after you. You you could include a Warriors team. You could include a Toronto Raptors team. You could include a Sacramento team. Um, and that, again, that kind of ties into the whole Ben Simmons situation because I think Ben Simmons and, and Damian Lillard are, are very similar but different situations um, because – the Sixers have had conversations with about 11 or 12 teams about Ben Simmons. Hmm. That being said, if Ben does not come back and Lillard is unhappy, you can make both teams happy. Um, so you'd have to include a package with the Warriors. Um, I keep saying have to, but you, you could include okay. a package with the Warriors, uh, the Sixers. Um, and the Blazers, uh, where you would include James Wiseman uh, on the Golden State side. You would have picks. Um, you would also have Moody, potentially, who's been playing well in the Summer League. Um, and I think you'd be in a situation where um, the 76ers would likely have to include Matisse Thybul or Tyrese Maxey. Um, and then on the Blazers side, you have to provide Damian Lillard. And so, um, that's a scenario there. Um, aside from Damian Lillard, you know, the Sixers could even include a fourth team. You know, I know that they've had conversations with the Sacramento Kings. I know Buddy Heald, uh, has not been happy since, uh, he didn't get his extension while Vlade Divac was there and then was disappointed when Vlade left. Um, so, you know, Philadelphia has, from what I understand, has salivated over healed for years. Um, and so I look at that situation there, you could include a fourth team and you kind of saw in that Spencer Dinwiddie uh, trade that that alt or sign and trade that was ultimately four teams that were involved. The Lakers were part of the Russell Westbrook trade that got, you know, Kyle Kuzma to Washington that got, um, you know, it, it just it, you could include a fourth or a fifth team. And, uh, you know, I spoke with some folks over in Washington that told me they were taking their time. And so in the same breath, that could be said with the Warriors and the 76ers. Um, if, if Ben Simmons is unhappy, um, help him. If Damian Lillard is unhappy, help him help himself there, too. What, what's going on with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia? I mean, you had, you know, both Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers kind of throwing him under the bus, right, in their last loss after the playoffs. And now, I mean, I thought I saw some stuff today where it seems like Ben Simmons isn't even returning calls from the team. Like, do you know, like, what's like, how, how, un, how untenable is that situation? Like, how unhappy is he really? Yeah, that was a report from uh, Jason Dumas out in uh, Oakland, who is uh, from the Philadelphia area uh, as well. Uh, we have mutual friends. Uh, what I'll say to you is um, the situation with Ben Simmons from all the, the things that I've heard and things that have other stuff that has been reported. Honestly, this has been something that, you know, has been kind of a thing for a couple of years. I, I think that if Ben Simmons is ultimately moved, it's going to remind people 10 years from now of a similar situation in Orlando with Shaq and Penny years ago, a dynasty missed, you know, this is a situation in Philadelphia, even in 2019, they were a Kawhi Leonard jump shot away from going to the finals. 
Um, and then, you know, this season they were being talked about in the same breath as Brooklyn and Milwaukee ended up winning the championship that year. So, I, I you know, I, in answer to your question about Ben Simmons, um, I know that the that the uh, 76ers have had conversations with teams since last year. Um, I know that there are teams that Ben Simmons would benefit. I think one of the things that gets lost in translation, particularly in 24 hour news coverage and digital media is this. There are a lot of teams that would that would give their last to bring Ben Simmons to their team. Um, And the only criticism that we have is the jump shot, but we never talk about his playmaking ability. That being said, when someone is special in a good way, not special, when somebody is special in a good way, you have to put different things around them to cultivate that level of specialness, if that's a word. Yeah. Um, and so with that being said, a team like the Warriors would fit them like a glove. Heck, a team like Sacramento would fit them like a glove. I think another team that gives loss in translation quite a bit is, is the Denver Nuggets, who have a lot of assets that they could move to potentially bring Ben Simmons in there. I think Mark Michael Porter uh, is a great piece that would, would flourish quite well in Philadelphia. And so I I think, you know, when you look at Ben Simmons, I think he's temperamental, um, but who isn't sensitive or very particular about what they're good at. And so I think sometimes like I won't, I won't dog or I won't bash Ben Simmons because I think he's a talented player. Um, And I think that in today's NBA, the point guard has transitioned into being a scorer and you criticize a point guard being a scorer, but I know in the nineties and the eighties and the seventies, um, the goal of the point guard was to be a playmaker. And so I think even in hit last season, when Brett Brown was the coach of the 76ers, I spent some time with the Sixers last season during when be pre COVID and even like on zoom calls, Mm-hmm. I like the way Brett Brown used him going into the playoffs at the four, you know, sagging at the elbow. Like, I feel like when I look at Ben Simmons, um, I feel like you have to utilize him uh, like Miami did in year two when they won the championship with Eric Spolster. So, I, you know, I, I look at that situation with Ben Simmons again. People talk about his jumper, call him this, call him that. He's a talented basketball player. He's just got to be, you know, you you change a plant's environment and you water it and you let it grow. It's going to flourish into a nice plant. And I feel like that's what's got to happen with him. I think a team like Denver would benefit him much. A team like Minnesota would benefit him much. Yeah, and I've always thought the fit between Ben Simmons and Embiid was a little odd. I mean, Embiid's a talented perimeter player, but he's at his best around the hoop. And Ben Simmons has to have some space to cut to... I mean, he's not going to be floating out on a three-point line. Like, you need to give him space inside to work. Um, Yeah, I never thought that fit was the cleanest. Joel Embiid is literally tall Allen Iverson from the perimeter all the way to the hoop. Mm Mm-hmm. Meaning guys are going to watch him stand around dancing. He can face you up. He can back you down. He can play well defensively. He's just a free-flowing artist that can even play make, command a double team. I think he's he's literally Chris Webber, Hakeem Olajuwon, and uh, flashes of Rasheed Wallace all in one. It'd be, I mean... I w- it's never, ever going to happen. It'd be so much fun to see Dame and Embiid play together in Portland. That's not going to happen. So, hey, yeah, if Dame wants to go, if the team can't build around him, I I think this is something that you'll find too, Blazers fans. I don't think there's any of us that are ever going to blame Dame when he gets to the point where he says, I got to go. I mean, he's he's given everything to the city. 
uh, he's pro- he's probably like even when I was a little kid, like I always valued the team more than any individual player, even Clyde. Uh, this is the first time in my life I'm like, wow, I I mean, I really, 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 really wouldn't blame him one one bit. Um, let me get let me get you out of here with one more question, because there's been a lot that's happened around the NBA, not so much of the Blazers during free agency. A lot of movement has happened. Uh, I don't know how many more pieces there are really to fall. I mean, my thought was that once you get the free agency piece sorted out, that maybe you'll start seeing some trades happen. Um, see, you mentioned Siakam, you mentioned Simmons, uh, you mentioned Beal. Is in your view, is there anything that NBA fans? Oh yeah, go. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mention Bill. Okay, Bill my had, bad. My bad. No, yeah. no, no. But you're fine because B- Bill was a piece pre-trades that many people thought would be gone, and I think he had the world as his oyster in that regard because he sat back. Um, he's he, Bill, like Lillard, or, or in a situation where. They are beloved by those constituents in that respective city. But I think Washington's had had even less success than the Blazers, you know, that's that's subjective, though, because while I agree with you, there's still a northeast city. And they benefited from Michael Jordan. Yeah. yeah, they all they also benefited from having a playoff run with Gilbert Arenas, and then transition from Gilbert Arenas to John Wall. And I think that this resurgence, bringing in Russell and then using Russell as a trade piece to get Kuzma to get. Um, Kentavious Caldwell Pope and to get Montrez and then to ultimately get um, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I, I think that this team is definitely on paper, at least a top 18. Um, I think that um, they just got the gel and that gelling period takes some time. Um, and I think it's a low expectation, high reward, brand new coach. Um, and, you know, Tommy's been working behind the scenes, the GM, to make some things happen. And, you know, they've been successful. So I, I think that Bradley Beal, the, the deck of cards is in, his, is in his control because if he leaves, they still got a good team. And if he leaves, he's only going to raise his value. And self-preservation is so important because, you know, he was a league leader in scoring. He doesn't have to overexert himself so much at this point. Yeah, no, that's a good point. If you were to kind of keep your eye on something if there's a move that you suspect may happen between now and training camp what what might that move be and please tell me that it involves the Blazers being better and keeping Dame <laughs> well I'll tell you what I, I find it interesting that Kevin Knox uh, with, is now not on the Knicks Summer League team um, because I felt like Knox like Moody and, and Golden State were going to be used as showcase pieces for other teams um, and so, you know, I'll tell you that going into free agency, uh, I was told by those in the know with the Knicks um, that um, basically if if Lillard is interested, cool. Like he sent those smoke screens that the Knicks may be a team of interest. Cool. And I think they kind of still manage their deck of cards because um, they've kept their costs low. Um 
and they have assets, you know, like the Knicks, like the Spurs both had uh, the most assets uh, going into free agency. I also think you should be paying attention to not so much going into training camp, but just in the next year, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, will he stay or will he go? I think he's he's saying all the right things. Um, I feel like um, if he stays, that's great. Um, But if he goes, um, I think the Memphis Grizzlies, as well as the New York Knicks, would be a great fit. Hmm. Yeah, Carl, man, Carl Anthony Towns. I, it's again something that's never going to happen. But again, thinking about a player like that playing with Dame would just be um, wild. But uh, we can only dream. Okay, Scoop, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. Again, it's always good to get a perspective from somebody who's actually watching the whole league. So yeah, thanks for taking the time out. If people wanted to find you and your work and connect with you, uh, how would people do that? Follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Um, check out my written work as well as on camera work at Valley Sports Network. I started in May. Um, in addition to that, uh, every Thursday on Instagram Live through Bovada, which is a sports betting company, uh, I host uh, an Instagram Live with uh, porn star legend and current Sirius XM host Lisa Ann. Uh, we break down free agency talk and just we have a good time talking about basketball so yeah those are the vehicles Instagram and Snapchat scoop underscore B and uh, subscribe to the Scoop B radio podcast which is uh, available on all streaming platforms Apple Google Play TuneIn Stitcher iHeart or simply by visiting scoopbradio.com heck yeah Scoop thank you appreciate you brother thank you